0: artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Gudelai, and in today's episode I'm hosting an interview with Biman Lianage. Biman is a researcher, innovator, entrepreneur who has co-founded several technology ventures in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. He's focused on mobile internet and smart material-based wearable technologies. Beeman's innovative projects range from sensor design to fashion technology and 3D food printing. He has cooperated with several Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, Intel, Tencent, Porsche and you name them, particularly in the areas of data mining, visualization and interactive visualizations interactive visualization and installations. Um, Biman also held a TED Talk in Beijing on the topic, Innovation is Easy. He's been a Forbes 30 under 30 in Asia and was named one of the 200 Future Leaders from St. Gallen Symposium in Switzerland. So with these words, looking for a conversation about innovation. Welcome to the show, Biman. Thank you so much, Julian, for having me
1: Been like, you know, working for a while to get the date,
0: but now I'm really happy that we've been able to finally do it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show and have a casual conversation about all the epic innovation you're bringing to the world. It seems to just, as you were saying in your TED Talk there in, in 2015, it seems to just like be easy for you to to be an innovator at that speed and that kind of ingenuity. You want to you start there and just tell people like what it is that makes innovation easy for you? I think
1: it's just like, you know, basically... Um... So just to add a little bit more about the introduction, like, you know, so my recent work is more focused on for the past three years in effective computing. So we are using like, you know, vocal biomarkers to understand mental health, like, you know, for example, depression, anxiety, like things like this, uh, ADD, ADHD, all from voice. So we do two hundred thirty one emotions from like, you know, purely voice and uh, quite a lot of things to do with brain, right? So the interesting thing is that when you start working on a deep subject like that with, uh, science or like a scientist perspective something interesting happens because you kind of start like you know moving from one side of the world to the other side of the world right so that's what we're talking about like you know so i was always an ai scientist like you know building like you know AI models like when i was in microsoft also before we used to do, do, do these things but now it's about like you know consciousness part of like you know every single thing that you're designing and like how it's part of the bigger picture why are we doing what we are doing right so why is innovation easy is because i think i'm more receptive to pain and i can feel pain better so that uh it's not just like you know pain points on an excel sheet when you actually want to build and build something up it's just like literally trying to understand the problem and you just become part of the like uh recipients of the problem so you feel what people are going through what is lacking how to just come up with like a way to solve it and kind of like you know come up with a better solution and then like business models would just generate right after but the key thing is that like you know your solution works and it's affordable and it's accessible by more mass of people than just like you know few individuals right so this technically i think like when innovation is easy when i say that It's just when you change your perspective towards looking at innovation, because my favorite innovations are not the ones that actually had like, you know, AIO, IoT, big data or deep learning. It was simple ones as like, you know, someone printing like, you know, a mobile number on a children's book so that kids that who cannot actually like have literate parents that who can read the books for them can just simply dial on this toll free number. And some like a grandmother from like, you know, a place would just like read the book for these kids. And that kind of a way, just like, you know, simply printing like, you know, a number on the back of the book and creating that ecosystem kind of solves like a huge pain point for two parties. So that's for me is like, you know, really groundbreaking value. So the work that I'm doing is that I'm drastically reducing the cost of the inventions that we're building. For example, like, you know, one of my projects is coming out this year for fertility tracking one, which for women with like uh, for understanding, like, you know, fertility window for women. So we invented a sticker that goes under the arm. So my competitor's prices are like, let's say, like 400 RMB. That is like, you know, in dollars, like, you know, divided by 0.6.9, right? So just like, it's pretty expensive. So our ones are actually like, you know, $2.11. So they have like all the Bluetooth, AI, everything that you can just like, you know, think of. It's the world's first battery-less wearable. There's no batteries inside. But somehow you drastically reduce the cost down. And for thinking that is for me is innovation. Just like you know, not just looking at like you know, you build something just because you can. It's just like holistically looking into that and uh, coming up with like you know an alternative that works for everyone at like different scales.
0: So when you say holistically looking into that, that and I understand you're right. Like you're, you're kind of really owning the problem perspective, but not to then. Name the problem or or like like suffer from the problem, but to realize okay, what's that vantage point, and how is that person going to perceive the innovation, and how is that person actually going to have access to to the innovation yeah so it's
1: just like basically i mean i've been in China for the past thirteen years, I came here when I was seventeen, and I actually had the privilege to grow in a fast growing internet market speaking. Chinese and learning in Chinese like about how internet was built so it was built on top of my like in front of my eyes and uh, from like you know WeChat becoming like a simple messaging tool to like becoming a super app we saw it grow every day and then like I have not touched cash for the past five years like you know you can imagine right like you know everything is like you know scanning QR codes like you know stuff like that so just I don't have a wallet so I just have like you know thing that I carry like you know my bank cards. So technically, like, you know, when you kind of see that, like how you design a cashless society, how can you just like integrate services into public systems? How can you make sure that using technology for good is one thing. The second thing is like using technology at a scale to learn from the society and then again, keep on optimizing them to just like fit the society better. So That's something that I've seen in front of my eyes for a long time. So like, it's it's pretty interesting, actually. So I think. To be honest, it's just like I said, right? I mean, once you are part of the problem, you want, you kind of feel the problem better. So things that I think I've filed over 20 patents in different technologies. And then we've actually like, you know, used these technologies from air pollution monitoring to like designing sensors to understand breathing when they're using pollution masks. And all those things when pollution was one of the biggest problems in China. And uh, it's just... When you're breathing bad air every day, right, for a while, so you just kind of like do th- two things. Either you can bitch about it, go to Facebook and write a long post and saying that, oh, outside is so polluted, like, you know, I don't know where I'm living or else i do something about it. So I'm an engineer and what I know is how to build stuff. So ended up building like, you know, like a very advanced pollution mask. And then again, we make sure that we build 50,000 units in six months just because we have the speed in China to do so. So from concept to just like mass manufacturing with 15 patents, three design awards and all those things it took us just six months and uh, just shipping 50,000 units. So, but the thing is that where the inspiration comes from, from the problem, we are in the center of the problem and all all you can do is just like, you know, go through and then, and the other thing is, it's part of health, right? So it's like health thing. So you can't come and just like make like a lame ass product and say like, you know, Oh, by the way, just we have like, you know, pollution mask with motors inside and you can't, if you're an ethical human being, if you're like, you know, someone who's conscious enough of what they're creating. And if you have like really values and if you're brought up that way, if all the cultural things are screaming in your ears, you as an engineer, you would not find the shortcut. No matter, like, you know, you just, then you kind of have to like oversee the business models and then again, come up with something that works.
0: That's so That's so curious, because from that perspective, the state of the world isn't uh, a horrible state of the world, but it's because we have so many challenges, it's actually like ripe for innovation, no? because once we put on the mask or the perspective of the challenge of the problem, if it's global warming, if it's pollution, if it's plastic, if it's contamination, if it's inequality, or mental health, I think, you know, there, there are thousands and thousands of innovators and solutions needed basically on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Let me ask you this. That. I would love to, I'd love to understand more about this project in understanding the emotional state through the resonance of voice, because we all might, might know about this, right? We can literally hear so much about just the timber and the resonance, the, and the, mm. the height and the lows of someone's voice. And, how can you teach a machine to learn that if if humans barely understand this
1: yeah so that's like actually a really interesting question because the humans' average humans' emotion recognition capability is less than 30 percent. so that's why like machines perform much more better and just like you know any human possible to understand human emotions second thing is that like you know i've studied facial emotion recognition we've done a lot of products around that there are issues, for example, it's invariant to noise, like, you know, you have like lighting conditions, camera qualities, positions, angles, and all those things, and race, racial biases, data sets, all those things. But when it comes to voice, I think you would be surprised. Humans are the only mammals that can produce new tones, like out of all the animals, right? So out of all the mammals, we are the only ones that can generate new tones. What that means is that our brain, our lungs, our whole system has to work together to just like do an os or like a vocal tone that comes out so the interesting thing about it is that for the past few years it's there's a new side of ai that has been coming out especially what we call as vocal biomarkers so that can predict like you know respiratory diseases to like you know your cardiac cardiovascular diseases to like you know even mental health so we are focusing on the mental health part of like you know basically how can you understand like you know emotions and then again these biomarkers it depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, all in your voice. So how you want to teach a machine that is just basically like you need to have really good tagged data sets from experts. So what we have is that we have 10,000 like, you know, scientists, like, like uh, emotion experts that who actually like, you know, listen to these clips and tag. And we built like, you know, very data efficient algorithms that actually like, you know, do a lot of work in the feature engineering side of it. So we have 48 features that we've like, you know, crafted, we've identified. And we use our algorithms to be trained on these features and like it's continuous work. So right now we have 88.87% accuracy. It's like right now pretty high, like, you know, it's actually the highest in all the academic papers that's been ever like, you know, published uh, publicly. And, um, but it's, it's all cutting edge work at the same time is that every day you just learn something new about what happiness looks like in science side. So like teaching a machine to be happy, right. And what joy looks like, what, anxiety looks like and then you see it in a code level you see it in terms of like you know and then it helps you to understand what happiness is better so what is the best way i can explain this is that teaching a machine how to be happy made me a happier person because i actually had to break down happiness to just teach a machine to be happy and then i kind of finally understood that like happiness is greater or equal than your perception minus your expectation either you just like increase your perception that means you just learn a little bit more about the world every day or else like you reduce your expectation so technically like you know in this whole world that we create in front of eyes and it's just not like we are passively like you know perceiving the world we actively generating it in front of our eyes so that you as a scientist like i said that you cross a lot of lines interesting lines and then teaching a machine to how to be happy actually helps me to just like be more emotionally aware and then all my AI team actually has to go through EQ training. I'm just it's a two, level two EQ coach actually now, <laughs> but
0: because of a byproduct of the work, just like intense, like, you know, stuff. So are you teaching a machine to be happy or are you teaching a machine or an, a machine intelligence to recognize happiness? So recognize happy is one thing, right? So
1: once like, you know, it needs to understand like recognition, so if you can think in that way, you can think in that way in terms of like, you know, oh yeah, like we are building like, you know, software systems to like, you know, understand or classify human emotions into clusters. That's like a very one way of looking at it. But the application that we're doing it is in terms of virtual assistants, we are building like, you know, emotionally intelligent virtual assistants that uh, integrating them in cars, like letting them like, you know, letting, so we done, did a lot of like, you know, work with like you know car brands to integrate like you know human emotions into a car so that like you know you can increase the engagement with like you know the uh, infotainment system so that like the digital assistant is something that you would keep on talking to because it actually kind can, can not only just like have contextual understanding, it has like situational understanding. And then it has like, you know, intent, it can understand like emotions behind your request so that you kind of like, you know, helps the machine. Because if you look at emotions, right, there are four, three, four states. One thing is what we call as arousal, valence. So arousal means like, you know, whether your emotion is like high or low. And then again, we have valence, which is like, you know, positive or negative. And there's another axis called temper. But the most interesting access is that, like, you know, what I've been like, you know, focusing for a very long time is called stance. That means, like, you talk to Siri and say, Hey, Siri. And then Siri says, Like, you know, Hey, Beam. Then Siri actually has to wait. So, whether Siri talks back to me or else, like, you know, Siri is going to initiate the conversation, is waiting for me to, like, talk to Siri, kind of makes it from, like, a functional toy to actually something that has, like, intuitiveness. So when you look at that, it actually understands, it needs to understand, like, you know, me, what I'm feeling right now, what is the situation and need to figure out when to respond or not. So when you come to there, it's not just like, you know, help, helping the machine to recognize emotions. It's just like, you know, helping machines to n- let them know what to do with the emotions. So that's why I say like, you know, teaching the machine to emotions, because anyone can have an API and then say like, you just talk to this and I can give you like a JSON output saying that happiness is the prediction score is 0.97. But what do you do with it? Is actually where like you know the emotion integration for machines is getting much more interesting.
0: And that's possibly also where the human interaction comes back in, right? It's like what do we do with it? How so that's
1: it that's again the feedback loop kicks in, and then again you just loop in and then say like you know yeah, like you sounds interesting. You seems like you know kind of know what you're talking about. For example, right? I mean, just like if I ask, like, you know, Siri, what's the number of pi? It can just, like, go to 3.14, like, blah, 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 blah forever, or else, like, you exactly. can understand that why am I asking this question for? Yeah, yeah. So, reasoning, like, you know, like, these problems have been, like, you know, big problems in AI. But we are looking at, like, you know, starting from emotions. Second is that, like, I think the biggest thing, I think the responsibility that we have is that to make a better conscious society like self-awareness, mindfulness, this thing. So if you can use technology for that area, so that why not? So deciding these generating feedback loops, like even from small cues, like, you know, to understand like how you're feeling right now. So that kind of like, you know, area gives you a lot of access. And then again, a lot of, uh, I would say like, you know, it's a gift to just like, you know, be able to see between lines. And then again, kind of like, you know, see like, keep on asking the question, like, what if, right, what if that, like, you know, phone call that you're giving, like, you know, your friend can just, like, tell the friend that person is not doing good, like, what if, like, you know, you can let a person with autism, who cannot understand emotions, who doesn't understand, like, you know, difference between, like, you know, because simple, right, like, if I smile in front of an autistic child, right, I can teach this is what smile looks like, the moment my smile changes even a little bit, person cannot understand what it is so then i can use like you know different method to tell people to be there are variations but this is how you're responding to it. it's like training like all those things so it just opens up a huge world of possibilities apart from advertising and marketing so right now emotional ai has been used for like understanding how people are feeling and sell them more things so there's much more things that you can do when you see beyond that so And some people have to have balls to do that no matter what, like, you know, like the world gives back, like, you know, fundraising, you need to go and validate this for like valid business models, et cetera.
0: I think that's where you and I are kind of, you know, coming out on, on a very similar page is like, how do we use all the innovation, the the abilities we have as humans in a self-aware, but then also holistic fashion. So we're actually creating a world that works for everyone that is, you know, not just an abusive cycle of, of marketing, propaganda, economic, exactly. etc.
1: So really- I build marketing tools for like a lot of people. Sorry for like interrupting, but oh, I build joking. marketing campaigns for like all these big brands, you know, name it, right? And then again, I know how much money that's been spent, right? If I actually like, you know, can tell, just tell them that like, why are you wasting the money the way you are wasting? Like, it's just like, I mean, like for example, imagine like a car brand, right? So like already know the brand. You don't have to dump, like, 30 million, like, you know, US dollars for just, like, you know, like, or 30 million RMB for, like, a st- stupid marketing campaign. You could have done something much more nicer with that money if you become a little bit more creative. But the thing is that, like, who pays for that creativity? I mean, just, like, who pays for that, like, you know, like, this, this cycle ends after the show finishes. And then again, it becomes, like, you know, a YouTube video, like a Facebook post and just go to the digital garbage. None of the campaigns that actually start footprints or start initiatives that creates compounded impact, like, you know, you just run a campaign, but the moment I invest that 30 million it becomes a compound interest so that maybe like, you know, 100,000 families get fed or like, you know, something gets built. Of course, we can add the logo in somewhere, but just the point is that, like, you should not be wasting it for fancy lights and like, you know, dance shows and music. There's something much more better that we can do if we actually have time to design
0: that. So let's talk about this, Beeman, because this is a topic I, I love to share. I share this when I get interviewed, when I'm on stage, whenever I teach. This idea of a triple bottom line, right? Like usually, usually in, the, in the past, it was called like corporate social responsibility. And then we realized that companies just create like the smallest initiatives, but keep going with the regular stuff. But the triple. Look at the price. budgets,
1: right? Like when you are spending like you know, an amazing huge amount of money on a huge social media campaign, not a social media campaign, like a physical campaign, right? Like you always have like a 1 or no, like 0.05% of budget just to put your CSR here and there. But like, is it the way it should be doing?
0: That's, that's definitely not enough. It's just like a, a way to kind of bring it up a statistic, right? The CSR kind of report, corporate social responsibility. But I think what we're really talking about here is like, the triple bottom line like people planet profit so not just profit 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 but like actually an ability to create to kind of unravel the economic system not to break it or change it in the foundation but to evolve it in a way that it's actually serving people and the planet how do you see that going as you're so in touch with these fortune 500 companies like do you, how do you see that they're possibly like one way of how this would unravel itself and grow and evolve?
1: So I do a project, like, so one of the things that I'm doing for training is called conscious innovation. So I go for these Fortune 500 companies and I work with the CEOs and CTOs. And I work with, like, quite a lot of these people to just, like, teach them about this concept about, like, you know, conscious innovation. That means, like, using a framework that I've designed just to, like, literally think about what you are building, why you are building, like, you know, and, much more deeper beyond your stock prices, portfolio prices, everything. Like, for example, if you look at China, right? Like, we have tons of engineers, like, let's say AI engineers. So they actually get paid quite a lot of money for just go for, like, companies, and then again, either sell more shit for other people or building optimization algorithms. So they have smartest people optimizing. When they should be reaching the skies for the limit, they're just optimizing. So they're just, like, you know, trying to just, like, keep on doing. So what happens is that And they work 996, it's a thing in China. 996 means 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. So when you actually take away the best essence of like your person's life with huge potential, who could have just like found the cure for like, you know, something. Like, you know, they just go for optimizing. So when I look at that, right, so one of the things that I see is that I need to go them and tell like, how can you better like, you know, design structures or these things and then understand. Moment you have an awakening, about in touch with the planet like you understand like you know what actually like you know being alive looks like what it feels like you know to be mindful when you actually have that experience of it's a very different feeling like literally when the universe starts calling you like you know that stock prices become much more smaller when the universe starts calling you what happens is that like you know you would start coming up with more and more better techniques like of managing stuff, managing, like, you know, impact and then creating much more different things, different portfolios. So it's a journey because why I say it's a journey is that all these companies are getting funded by VCs. And then again, venture capital is like, it comes from like, you know, corp money and all those things. And what that gives is, is that it gives a lot of negative pressure for these amazing individuals. Maybe like, you know, these guys that started, like, you know, for example like you know the you can say brands right so like a bike sharing company so good friends good partners and they're part of like you know a good group when he started the idea he wanted he came up with all the right intentions right solving the last mile challenge reducing the carbon footprint making people more healthy by exercising like all those things then what happened you started creating more and more pollution you created more bikes than that's needed because that's what like you know the venture capital needed Either there's yellow bikes or green bikes or like, you know, orange bikes on the street. More color I see, the ones that wins the most. So then you just go for like, what? Since I have money and abundance, I have to grow at scale. When you grow at scale, you start making decisions that actually harm the planet, that actually like, you know, harm people. People get depressed, founders, it's like lose the motivation. Then what happens? Then it just falls down into the ground and you have destroyed like an individual that had right value set, right mindset, everything over a company. So it's the culture that needs to change. It's because when you start, like, you know, making the 1% richer more, you kind of start, stop giving a shit about the planet and then posting on Facebook, like, you know, saying hashtag climate change, hashtag, like, you know, save the pandas, like in Australia, it becomes much more fancy. And then, yeah, everyone who makes money in black has to just do some whitewashing here, here and there. So, but like I said, but I've met people that have gone through this universal transform. When they see what they create, when just like, you know, so I've always seen this in my head very clearly, okay? So if you ask me what I'm really afraid about, I'm afraid about like, you know, when I die, right? So you go into like, imagine your tunnel and then you walk to the end of the tunnel, right? So I always see that there's a grim reaper or whatever that comes me to take into the engine And I feel like that's my potential. So if your potential is something that you have not achieved, every single day, step that you're taking towards the end he's going to show you a picture or a reel and if you've done so many bad decisions that is a hell for you but if the potential is exactly as you then actually it's going to be a friend greeting you as a friend and then again just like you know take you away with all the good side of the picture and Living that's hell. the
0: actual dream and the vision of why you're on this planet which brings me to one of my core questions which which is about purpose right like i I coach and host, you know, workshops and trainings around planetary purpose and this idea that we're on this blue earth for a reason. And so in your own words, what is purpose? And then continuing on that thought, how can we create a culture of purpose?
1: My, so I'll start with my individual purpose that's easier for me to see. So I feel like my purpose or the reason I've been in this planet is for reduce pain. So I use technology as a medium to do so. So no matter whatever I do, I make sure that there's a huge part of pain reduction index that is part of every single line of code I write on every single thing that I build. If you look at the purpose, it's just like basically sometimes, like if you look at, okay, I'm a, I'm a monkey and then I have a banana in front of me, right? So every step I get closer to the banana, I have like, indo- like you know endorphins just like flushing my head and I just feel like happy. So, because I'm getting one more, one, one more, one much like one more step closer to the banana, right? So, so all those like you know chemicals are splashing, and I feel kind of really good. And the best thing about human brain is that the moment you get the banana, all disappears. So, technically, the purpose of us is to actually understand that we are a big part of, like, we are a bigger part of than we think. So we are like a bigger, we are part of a bigger system, bigger universe. The moment you understand that, I think we would change our perception towards like how we interact with every single thing around us. And that would create a ripple effect. So the purpose is to actually like, you know, understand this truth at a young age or like at an early cycle of the life so that the earth actually or the people around us has enough time to heal back. So the thing is that when i say about purpose it's just like it's very simple for me it's just like you see the glass clear so that means like you know purpose of us is actually like you know to be inspired enough to just like take all the clutter take the mud out and see it as see it as it is and be more transparent and be more honest about what you do and uh, i do think that's the purpose yeah
0: that's beautifully put how how do we you know, unite those two streams of thought there. You were saying when it's about, you know, individual awakening or awakening beyond profit as just a shareholder value, kind of make the 1% richer, it's about culture. And then now when we talk about purpose, there is that link to culture. And so in your own words, I mean, often I ask how would you change the education system? But I feel like between the two of us, we already have access to so many world leaders and people that are like, at this like 0.1% of the 1%. How do we influence culture in a way that is going to, uh, you know, leverage this power that these people already have into, into a more, yeah, more, you know, balanced world of purpose in that sense.
1: I think it's like this, Julian, like, you know, I'll give you like two stories. One story is just basically like, you know, how my dad used to teach me. So, The way that my dad taught me was that, like, you know, so I was doing, I was playing badminton at, like, you know, national events, and I was just doing astronomy. I was doing all that extracurricular stuff. I didn't have much time to go to school. I went to school, of course, like I did that, but I had three teachers teaching me each subject, physics, chemistry, and mathematics, so that I had, like, nine teachers teaching me subjects, like, you know, same three subjects. I had nine teachers, right? So one was coming home, two, and then I had to go for a private class, and I had one in school. So just, like, you know, intense education, right? So... My this is deeply expensive, right? Like, you know, for example, when you have two tutors come home and like, you know, teach you. My dad never paid them. He always gave me money to just pay the tutors. So every day I knew exactly how much money I was spending on like, you know, my tutoring. So what happened was that when I was watching the movie or when I was just like, you know, slacking, I kind of like, I could have just bought something else from the money that I spent, I should study. So he's kind of created that like, you know, thing in my head by just like letting me see how bad it is in front of my eyes and letting me feel it so that just like I would just restructure the way I think so culture is that like you know we make other teams our engineers decision makers so far away from the problem. so more like for example like you know you have a team in like you know let's say like in US or UK in like you know luxury housing or else like you know somewhere with like you know in a we drinking free coffee like you know Great. fighting pollution and you've never seen pollution, you've never like, you know, been and felt breathing. Like you just feel like, oh yeah, I'm a gifted programmer. Like, you know, I have internet. Yeah, I just kind like read about like how bad pollution is. Come see, live, build that in the sheet hole. When you do that, what happens is that like, you know, where the point where you're operating from, kind of just go past, like, you know, that Excel sheet comes back to you. It's just like, you know, your boss says that finish it in 15 days. And if you feel like this algorithm I can do better, I think like, you know, we have not hit the point yet. I need more time. I would work much more harder because I think we're working on some really good thing. So that consciousness, if you want to come about every single line of code, I'm not getting a salary just to like, you know, get paid because I'm the best AI engineer in the world. I'm actually like, you know, doing something that matters that someone is going to use, someone's going to wear. So I need to make sure it's safe. I need to make sure like all those things. So when that you build that mental structure, you can only do it if you can bring this person closer to the problem. So that like, you know, if you're looking at world problems, right, it's very easy to go for a place with problems than place without problems. So, and it's not just like, you know, we send you on a field trip. We just want you to like feel it good enough. So that just like, you know, you would redefine your own purpose. Like, why am I here? out of all the thousand things that you could have done, out of all the million things you could have built, why are you exactly spending 996 on this specific product? Is it inspiring enough? Then where are you getting your inspiration from? Is it getting from an Excel sheet just because someone is telling you to do so? And then again, there's a grand company slogan and then again, some fancy videos and a successful TikTok campaign that just I'm building this because I have to. It needs to come from somewhere else. So I don't think people are inspired enough to be honest like i don't think people are inspired there's a lot of problems to be inspired from and the f- irony is that when we want to get inspired we just still go back to that like you know marketing and branding that we so despite when we want to be sad we just go to search for most emotional ads on youtube we want to be like you know feel pity ourselves that you just go and like on like you know social media post that is like filter and have like bold letters like writing and saying paragraphs and points and shit but what do we really get inspired from content seriously now like ai can generate free content for free like generative advertising networks gans gans are there to create like you know fake shit for you deep fakes i can create videos for you <laughs> like i'm all this content is going to get fake and fake and fake because I'm building those things. So I'm an engineer that would design this shit that we know that how bad the content market is going to get. So that means like in the future, I'm going to write like a script saying that, Oh yeah, I want to make like what 15 million people sad. Just send me like, teach me like, you know, an AI video that's just going to make people cry and be like fakely inspired. So we are getting more and more disconnected with our emotions and feelings and, purpose of what we are, why we are doing what we're doing. So unless that you are inspired intrinsically, not extrinsically, like it's very difficult to be able to find your purpose.
0: I love that you're bringing it back to that intrinsic and internal state of beingness, right? Because I think this is part of what an awakening is. It's from an outside in world, you switch into an inside out world. And so at that point, a lot of just like you were saying in the last half hour, a lot of the things we've created make close to zero sense because we're abusing our information, our knowledge to, to, to create a marketing slur that, I mean, you know, look, look at Coca-Cola with, with all respect to some of the achievements the company has created. Like it's the biggest plastic polluter on the planet. They're literally selling a product that is intoxicating people. Um, and I've had Coca-Cola before and probably once or twice a year, I still have it, you know, because every now and then it's, it's just kind of what, what's available. But here's the interesting part about a company like Coca-Cola. We know that their distribution pathways would reach every human being on earth because that's what they currently do to tell them um, high fructose corn syrup. But imagine we're now awakening on a global scale to the degree where Coca-Cola was using this to distribute food or to distribute access to information on technology.
1: I mean, I, I can give you all, again on top of multiple examples. I right? just like we work right so just basically when you look at the founder's motivation for starting the company and then again what he was doing in the end of the company stage right it's just like literally like when you i have i'll tell you one thing so one of the things that i was inspired the most was that first thing that i read when i came to china when i was 17. i came to china with 500 rmp and then literally like you know start like you know my space degree in satellite engineering so that's why i just like you know came I just Sri Lankan boy out of like nowhere just like dropped by China doesn't speak a single point of Chinese and then supposed to learn satellite engineering here so fun thing is that like you know when you do that then first time I got internet here the first thing that came into my mind is I think that just defined my world because it was a letter from the girl that came out from the book 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 like you know this concentration camp she said that I've seen like you know very smart like you know doctors like you know making poison i've seen like you know very smart engineers building gas chambers i've seen like you know very much smart nurses putting kids into gas chambers and i just don't trust in my education anymore because knowledge without discipline is very very dangerous that's what's happening right now is when people are not connected when people are not conscious when people just like you know kind of get like roll back into this like whole fake reality that we created like and we keep on telling ourselves, founders are telling themselves that we're building a billion dollar unicorn, It's not even a, like a real animal. So just like you would have just at least called it a white elephant because at least they uh-huh. e- really exist. Yeah. I mean, the second thing is that like, like you should have called them cockroaches because they don't die. Like the whole point of a startup is just like, you know, you should like be having high tolerance that you don't die at like, you know, given point. Anyways, that we created these fancy worlds, right? Like, you know, valuations, like if you look at rice and falls, right? So look at the rise and falls of the companies. And then again, like, you know, it's all about just boosting your valuation. No one cares about revenue. No one cares about like, you know, anything else. They're just like, let's increase the valuation and one day we'll get IPO and like, you know, we'll become billionaires and I have like, you know, houses in Bahamas. But I've always like thought kind of the reverse in a way that why can't you build something small and beautiful? Like, you know, where all the employees are like, you know, pretty well paid. They're like building their things and just getting their dreams like, you know, acquired you're doing what you like and then again you just it's big but it doesn't have to come to a point where like you know it just gets out of your control because when capital comes in and control decisions even the most innovative people actually can get lost because at that point innovation actually plays a very small role like in whatever that you're doing what happens is that like you know the greed takes over so it's the, it's, the, it's the story of the wolves, right? There's two wolves. So one wolf, like, you know, you need to feed happiness, joy, inspiration, like, you know, all those good stuff. And the other one just feeds on what? Like, you know, greed. And then again, like unhappiness, depression, anxiety, all those things. And these two wolves keep on fighting. And then again, just like, you know, if you ask me who wins, is actually the one that we feed more, right? We have to make one wolf stop. So if we keep on pumping happiness, we come pumping joy, pumping inspiration into people, organization, the culture automatically creates itself. You don't have to come up with like, you know, guidelines and tell people that you have sexual harassment guidelines in the company. You have to talk to like, you know, gender bias stuff. And like, you know, everyone has to be like this, this, this. You don't need to have a rule book. But if you have good culture, people would not treat each other that way. But when you scale up to a point that those values like, you know, made who you are, become less and less and less and less right even you have the most expensive whiskey you put in like you know a mug of water like you know it just gets diluted to a point that you just just tell that this is like a very expensive japanese whiskey but no like you the moment you have a zip you'll understand that it's just all marketing and it's just like you know the fancy glass that you're drinking that it and culture is something that gets created by like you know founders not losing their interest in Cause they keep on reminding themselves like why did we start what we started? And God gives the toughest challenges for the bravest soldiers. So and the other thing that I believe is that like if you all believe in consciousness, go awakening everything, right? And God's job is just to like set wind and it's our job to set the sails. So when the wind is in the right direction, you should be conscious enough to just like feel that it's going in this direction. Let's adjust the sail a little bit. You can do it with becoming like really tired and just like, you know, randomly moving your sail like here and there, just be too tired. And once in a while you find a catch a break. Whereas that you just like stay in the boat, being conscious and then again, it's like the best surfers, right? They just go into the middle of the ocean and they just like put their hand in the water and they just feel that warmth before just like, you know, the wave comes in. And they just like, you know, go to the end and catch the biggest wave. So that's why I think this whole conscious engineering is going to be the superpower. Because otherwise, like there'll be more startups coming and dying, and why is it ninety nine percent of the startups fail and by the question is why do we need ninety nine startups? It's like you know because if ninety nine percent of that fail, that means like is it life lessons It's like so much money wasted. if you look at China right, China has more money now to be honest
0: <laughs> it's interesting, I love your passion, demon, and i I love where you were going in in in, in your in your elaboration there, I want to bring it back to you. I have two more questions for you. I want to bring it back to a very personal question, super grounded on the planet. Um, What are your three favorite places on planet earth? Mm, Bali is
1: one, like, uh, because Bali exactly to tell the space, place is, um, is actually like, you know, in, in Ubud, like you know, in the mountains, like you know, it's like a small, very small villa, have good food nearby and then again just kind of keeps you calm down. And then another like a beach, like basically when you that's how I spent my thirty first night. So I just went into the beach, I just like put my legs on water and then just high hug myself. And then I just thank for two thousand nineteen and then exactly on 0000, all the fireworks just like blasted. And just gives you so much energy, and that place actually is like capsule of energy with culture, like all those things. Second place, I think I'm very inspired, or like you know, thing is actually my home country, Sri Lanka, and uh, it's a temple that is called the Sai. It's just like literally a very holy place for us, but it's not because of anything else. It's just like the enormous structure and how 2,500 years ago that was built. So. The square meter amount of energy that you can feel there is the highest I've seen since so far. And you just go there at like four o'clock, and then you can, you can, when you say in Sri Lanka, when you go to a temple, you need to remove the shoes. When you put like you know your legs, those like you know, thousand and thousand years of like old stone would absorb the heat, and slowly it's just like radiating the heat back. So that when four o'clock when you put your legs that you feel like like this is innovation, there's no freaking electricity, energy, whatever, but they've somehow created a way that just to make you feel so good when you walk on top of that. And the third place I would say is that like, you know, China, to be honest, like, uh, because in midst of all this chaos, like buildings, everything, right? You kind of find family, you kind of find like, you know, this uncharted beauty like which is hidden so um, i would have to put china on the list, no matter how chaotic it is i guess
0: i love how you're representing the asian continent all three places are, are s- s- later exactly. the, same, yes. the same triangle there that's great man so my last question for you biman today is going to be like your dream for the earth in that sense like i ask the question usually in the context of seven generations if we were to look into the future for the next seven generations which you know, it's kind of how I interpret a holistic vision, the idea of thinking beyond my own existence, thinking that the future generations are just as important as our generation. And you know, you've already talked about technology a lot and and maybe that's where you're going with it, but what are the values? What are the core principles of culture that you think are inevitable for us to follow?
1: I think one thing is that like, you know, so I would start from emotions. Let's say like, you know, I'm not going to say a word in technology because like you just just challenged me on that, right? So let me try to keep technology out of like, you know, the seven, seven, like, you know, nice. things. I think first thing is joy. I feel like, you know, for the next seven generations that come, like, you know, should have joy. It's not happiness, it's joy because joy is actually the birth of creation. So mm. second thing is that I feel like, you know, because people have to be joyful. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, you are happy. like, it's just like that beautiful content feeling that just like, you know, you're there. I think the seventh generation should have that because in the end of the day that they can rest. It's just like, you know, that movies, right? Like, you know, just Iron Man, like, you know, the last movie, when Stormtuck, just like, you know, get, save the world. Like, uh, what he says, is just like, you know, you can rest now. You can finally rest. So I just want after seven generations to be, like to really finally rest. So what does that mean is that we've been really good at like designing holistic systems where that takes care of themselves, regenerate themselves. And then again, just do like let nature do what nature do at best. Do not intervene. Because the point is that most of the time we come in and we screw up the balance because we think we are just so smart. And uh, to be honest, like, you know, if you tell me that, yeah, like we built like this huge humongous buildings in like two, three days. Like, you know, show me a building when you go to Egypt or we go to Sri Lanka Can you see that size of a temple and you just be like, like seriously, how did we build this like 2,500 years ago? So you don't have words, right? So if you look at the thing and there's no marvels in engineering, like, you know, you see. But what I see is that like, you know, for this next seven, like, you know, generations, I think most important thing is that trust should be entitled in dna that means like you trust what you see you trust what you breathe you trust what you eat you trust what you hear so that trust has to be a part of the core fabric of society and uh, it's going to define everything that we do and then the other thing is that like you know i'm not going to go for words as like you know equal like you know all those things because i think that if you have joy and trust like Mm -hmm. that's where like in emotions what we call love is so love is actually the intersections between joy and trust so when love is there what happens is like you know all those things that we hate is just going to go away like cultural indifferences like you know you black i'm white you're brown you're short tall all those things are going to go away so it's an emotional journey i guess for me for the seven generations is that people become more truthful for themselves Generations become much more aware of, like, you know, self aware of what they're feeling. Because if you actually can be, if you can feel, if you start feeling better, like it's a touchy feely thing, it's nothing to do with logic. It's all about the other side of the brain. Because if you feel like, you know, this planet is in pain, right? You would do something about it. So when then you would do it in a more trustful way. By doing that, when you're seeing the result, you'll be joyful. So if you can take that cycle and keep on repeating for seven generations, I think it's going to be okay. It's going to be a chill world. Just seriously, dude, seven generations, if they still have to build shit and make shit and then just like, you know, suffer. Yeah, so seven generations, Boy, maybe like bad. you're going to add the technology part in the end. Maybe seven generations, <laughs> things are getting built by themselves, right? Yeah. 3D printers are printing printers to print other printers that prints buildings to everything, food, everything, right? Maybe the when the biggest thing is that if you want to create future, you can't in be in the present and create the future. You need to transport yourself to the future and see what future looks like. In a future, I just want, I don't want anyone to work, to be honest. I just want people to chill and then again, just like, you know, grow old naturally and die. Not even like, you know, live for like, you know, 100, 200 years. just like, you know, you have a short period of time that God gave you. And then again, you're just going to start from the day that you have been blessed to the day that you just like, you know, end. you just spend it the best way possible. Have maximum amount of experiences that you can. Contribute much to the world. And then again, just die as a happy person. But moment we re-engineer it and say that, yeah, we can do printing. We can make super babies. Like, let's make like, you know, you and like, you know, Scarlett Johansson and make like Scarlett Johansson babies for everyone. They have super genes. Everyone can just do math. Like everyone can just play pianos. Like you think it's going to be a good world? <laughs> Like to be honest, like when we are looking at right now in an AI perspective, copies are the worst shit ever. Yeah. So because that and then what happens is that when that point, those engineers when they design the world, they'll have to add noise just to make the diversity, because everything is so perfect, nothing is broken. So that now the noise is the one that makes like you know the curve like you know flat. Yeah. So I did engineering in the last, but let's say three emotions: happy, trust yeah and love joy trust and love
0: three i love this energetic interview and your wisdom also your insights and your knowledge being shared thank you so much for your time thank you for for sure yeah for just giving us an insight into the way you think the way you feel the world and 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 yeah I, i agree with you there nature knows best and when we align with that anything becomes possible And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview. Because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up, to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there is a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon.